Welcome to episode 289 of In Touch with iOS, the show that talks about iPhone, iPad, Apple Watch, Apple TV, and related technologies. I'm your host, Dave Ginsburg, and Chuck Joyner is back on the show. He's hot back from CES. How you doing, Chuck? I'm fine, Dave. I'm good. <laughs> That's, that tells you I'm back from CES with yes. it's a bit of a cold, CES a bit of this, a crud. bit of that. Yeah, but you know, what are you going to do? It's good to be here. I'm I'm glad I was alive enough to join. Yes, I'm so glad you're here. And I'm also glad that Jeff Gamut is here this week. How are you doing, Jeff? I'm doing all right. I, I'm assuming I'm doing better than Chuck because I'm not coughing. I'm not sick. And yeah, go me. Go you. And then the last but certainly not least, Ben Rathick is here. Oh, is, or is it Ray Thing? How are you doing, Ben? It, well, <laughs> it depends on if you're my car dealership's service department or not. <laughs> yeah. But, I, but I'm good, there. Dave. Good, good. I'm glad, glad to hear that. I'm so glad you, everybody's here this week. And boy, it's just the news just keeps stacking up. There's all kinds of stuff to talk about this week, including CES a little bit. We'll touch on that. So, because I'd like to get Chuck's uh, comments on how things went while he was there with the crew and uh, lots of other things. Uh, and as we always do now, as we've changed the show, is so we go right into topics. And so we're going to start with beta iOS 17.3 release candidate was uh, released. Uh, I believe that was yesterday as we record this. Uh, yes, it was. So we have the release candidate of 17.3 and iPad OS 17.3. It's both developers and public beta testers are out just a little week, about a week after the release of the third betas. So it's, again, it's got all the same stuff we've been talking about. Stolen device protection, lock screen, Unity wallpaper, music, and all kinds of other stuff. Uh, ben, have you have you uh, put the RC on your phone? I, I think you'd brave that enough because that that's oh, almost oh, the yes. final version. Yep. Right now, it's on everything for home, for the home pods, which it's installing right now. It might be done by the time the apocalypse comes, <laughs> which is nine yeah. eight seven six <laughs> five. <laughs> yeah. Hut. Uh, so again, we'll be. It looks like uh, as if everything goes as planned. A week, this next week was probably going to be the, the final release out to the public for everybody. So uh, uh, get ready. There's going to be all kinds of updates. Jeff, did you do anything on your iPad on this one? No, I have to charge my iPad back up so I can uh, okay. install it. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> uh, so we also have watchOS 10.3 and tvOS 17.3. Not much else to talk about or relates to that. A couple things that did, did uh, stand out. Uh, 17.3 apparently is going to allow iPhones to connect to some hotel room TVs via AirPlay. Uh, Apple did share the release notes for 17.3, which will be with, they say, next week. But some hotel rooms are already going to be able to uh, be connected to, to TVs through AirPlay. But there's not much as far as details yet about this. We did talk about this previously, that Apple was looking at making hotel devices available i think that's what it was TV, like like an apple tv type device for for hotel rooms so you can you know stream your own content without having to lug around your apple tv or any other type of stuff is that what that what it was ben it was the device on that there were, there was, you were actually going to be able to stream from your device right to the tvs correct it is it, it, it's basically going to be like share play for hotel tvs yeah so so this is uh something that's uh going to be good chuck you're probably going to like this one as much as you travel you get to be able to do this in, in your hotel rooms right 
I guess, Dave. You know, I, I funny thing is, I seldom use the TV in my hotel room. Yeah, I've just gotten out. Well, I've just gotten out of the habit. You know, I might turn on the morning news, but beyond that, first of all, I don't spend much time in the hotel room. But second, I you know the iPad is fine, and usually I'm I'm not lounging yeah. on the bed or anything. I'm usually sitting at the desk, and so the iPad is great. But that said, there are a lot of people that do, and I have to share this before we get into CES. But because Dave Hamilton had exactly the same situation, we stayed at the Mirage. We had obviously big screen TVs in the room. There's an HDMI cable hanging down right from behind the TV that was completely dead. Oh, of course it was. You know, and it's like, okay, nice, nice effort. But, you know, so this would be great if, I mean, maybe, right. maybe if my hotel TV would do it, I would change my habits a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. That, that does make sense. Yeah. Here's my concern on that. Kind of going off of Chuck's, most of these hotels do not have on-site IT. Oh, constantly. so yeah. So who's gonna? So it's gonna take a while for this to hit deployment, and then if anything goes wrong, it might be a couple of weeks before anybody's able to come out and fix it. That's reassuring. Yep, but at least it'll be moving forward, Ben. At least, yeah. you know, we, we can, <laughs> yeah. I mean, even if it takes, you know, 14 months, this would be a nice capability to have down the road. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. So, so look for more th things to, to look forward to. Uh, we'll, and we'll definitely cover uh, 17.3 when it comes out, as we expect next week, be lots of things to discuss and uh, we'll uh, go ahead and uh, talk about that uh, probably next week. So let's go ahead and move on. And uh, and Chuck, I'm so glad you are here this week because uh, I I was uh, watching you guys from a distance. Uh, all the things that you and Dave Hamilton, Allison Sheridan, uh, uh, Pilot Pete uh, Norbert uh, was with you as your right hand man, taking care of things at CES. And uh, so it looked like it was a lot of fun. And I'd like to just kind of hear some of the insights. So uh, not have to spend the whole show on this, but. Uh, what the, what what you, how your experience was at CS this year, and uh, some of the things that kind of stand out. I know you're going to be publishing a lot of uh, great content as, as you already started. So yeah, I'd like to hear what the, how how it was on your on your perspective. You know, we could go on for hours. I mean, because it's it's that biggest show. It felt like the show was back to something akin to what what was going on pre pandemic, both from numbers and exhibitors, and just the the overall vibe, the overall feel. I think the, the last unaudited numbers I saw were 140,000, 145,000. Yeah. Close to 150. Yeah. So, I, and I don't know what the audited numbers will show, but bottom line is it's a lot of people and a lot of excitement. Yeah. There were some folks wearing masks, but frankly, not a lot, not, not even yeah. as many as last year. So whether people have just kind of gotten beyond that, you know, says the guy who came home sick, right? But I, not, with, <laughs> not with RSV and not with COVID. No, we um, just got a yeah, virus. just just picked up a virus and you know a sinus infection and and a cold. But you know, it, it, again, it's it's another one of those shows where everybody's looking for the killer thing. You know, what was the big thing? If you if you listen to the to the media, even the tech media, it was the transparent TVs. Okay, yeah, walk by them, saw them. Yep, they're they're transparent. Not quite sure what good a transparent TV is. In a world where the the objectives up to this point have been to get the ultimate black, you know, so that right. you could you could have the vibrant colors, seems a little bit off. 
but you know, a lot of iterations on things, a lot of, with all due respect to everybody, a lot of Me Too products, but that, you know, yeah. that, that too is okay. Saw some definite innovative things. And I'd love to tell you that I could give you a rundown of all of them, but I still have yeah. to go back through, you know, but I have to tell you most of the time when we, when we went to a booth or sat down with anybody or whatever, you, you came away getting this sense that they really care. You know, that they're there at CES because they want to be. Sure, there are always those people who are just manning the booths to man the booths. But overall, I felt like the percentage was lower this year because there were there were the usual marketing managers, but there were more CEOs, COOs that were actually, yeah. you know, in the booths or at the press events or whatever, touting the products and explaining them. So, I, you know, for me... I, I listen to so many journalists like, oh, you, I'm so glad you didn't have to go to CES. And it's like, man, you you clearly are not doing it right if you're if you're dreading it. Yeah. You gotta go have fun. And 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 it is fun to meet the people, see yeah. people you've talked to in past years, meet new people, see something, walk away from a walk away from a booth and say, Well, they won't be here in three months. And then, you know, go to another booth and say, Yeah, that that product should make it. So, yeah. you know, if, I mean, I'm happy to, to try to answer specific questions for the people we saw, but bottom line is that CES, if you, as long as you go with the plan, you know, and every year I admit every year, my plan gets a little better because every year I find flaws in it and refocus this year, we did a little less, I'm not ready to say wandering, but we we did not allow ourselves to be distracted by walking by a booth and say, well, that's cool. Let's stop and talk to them. You know, we we sort of had our map and we had our purposes. And then if we had time left over, maybe you'd circle back. And I think we'll be doing more of that just because it's, yes, yeah. it's a lot of homework up front to go through the press releases, go through all the gibberish that the exhibitors put out. And I mean that both in a positive and a negative, in, in a positive negative sense. But, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, it makes for your on the on the ground time, whether it's the press events, whether it's meetings in in hotel suites, or whether it's just on the show floor, it definitely gets you a better quality experience. And that's what you get. That's what we get from 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 Mac Voices and you because of the perspective that you have. But between the press events, you got three press events. You would, you always go to every year. That's Pepcom, Showstoppers, and Unveiled, and then the the hotel suites that you get to go to. I mean, I got to experience that. Is 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 so is so cool because you actually get more a little more intimate with the, with those people that are in that room because they they went there for a purpose they wanted to be there because they want you to talk and talk to them and talk then they'll talk to you about their product and I remember that that was that was a great experience and I'm sure you had the same exact experience in the in the suites the this time around going there we did and the other thing that seems to be happening is there's a rise of of showcases where a particular PR firm might have their a bunch of their clients, you know, come and set up right. in just, you know, the four corners in the center of a hotel room and then somebody in the bedroom, somebody in the bathroom, somebody in a closet, literally yeah. sometimes in a closet. But they can't, I mean, these folks are, they're small operations a lot of times, or they just, it doesn't make sense for them to invest in a booth or even mm -hmm. a full suite for the full week. Right. So if you want to talk to them, you go and you get that, as you said, Dave, that personal interaction. Which is yeah. always, I th I think, just so much of the fun because these the press releases are the press releases, but when you get there, these are real people 
that have invested a lot of time and effort and money in creating these products, and they're proud of them. And again, you know, sometimes you look at them and say, boy, I sure feel sorry for you because you're not going to make it. You know, there's just no, yeah. there's just no way that this product has a wide enough audience or is well enough executed. But you, you try to be polite and, you know, once, unfortunately, I've been right about a lot of those. Once in a while, you find one you've been wrong and you go back the next year and their booth has grown. So, yeah, yeah. it's, it's just, I, I would tell anybody that if you get the chance to experience CES, take it, just be warned that it is a, a bit yeah. of a physical beating. It's a massive, it's massive. And yes, you can do a lot of walking. Yep. Um, yep. Do you want to add anything, uh, Jeff, on this? You know, Chuck really nailed it. And the whole thing with showing up with the plan, uh, a well thought out plan, it's so important. Otherwise, you're just running around, wasting time, and you're, you're yeah. not going to be talking to the people you need to talk to. And, and that's a lot of money to spend. To just waste your time. It's expensive to be there at that time. Mm -hmm. yeah, not only that, but if you're physically at a conference, that is, it's taking a toll on your body. Oh yeah. That's um, yeah. If you don't have a plan by the, by the end of that conference, you could be walking around like you're on basically one step from the NFL IR. Yeah. I don't know what that <laughs> means, gonna... but I'm betting it's not good. Uh, uh, yes, I do. And, yeah. and I'm Injured absolutely reserve. not saying this from a waste. I am saying this from experience. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I, I admit, um, by the time by the time I wrapped up this time around, because yeah. I was just starting to get sick. Yeah, it's it's tough. But for the, for anyone that knows Vegas, I mean, and knows the convention center, this year you had the new West Hall was open and full. You had the North mm -hmm. Hall and the Central Hall. Then you had all of the Sands Convention Center, including Eureka Park at, at the at the bottom level, which is quite literally. I mean, if 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 you think of a conference table, you know, or standard lunchroom table, that's about how wide those booths are, and they're. I mean, you're shoulder to shoulder to shoulder with with exhibitors and and attendees, and then yeah. you. So that was the Sands, and then you had the hotel. Pardon me, the the suites and well, depending on which hotel, but I know there were several that had set up in the Mirage. There were a bunch that were at the Venetian. And, and and sometimes the challenge is just saying, okay, which day am I going to spend in which hall or which hotel? Yeah. Because oh, other, yeah. otherwise yeah. you can't I mean, you can it it does not make sense to go from West Hall to Central Hall back to West Hall. No, you just you waste no. so much time. Yeah. Yeah. You lose the day. Yeah, it's I mean, too long. Yep. So, I mean, if unless you've done it, you don't understand how insanely huge these people, these places are. These major convention centers are pretty much the size of a small t town downtown. Actually, a not so small town downtown. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's funny you said that, Ben, because we we came into the backside of what was it central, and sort of beside the Sony booth, if you can call it that. Well, the booth. The booth is like four times the size of my house, square feet, all 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 stories considered. I mean, it's just massive. <laughs> mm -hmm. And and that's just the Sony booth. So yeah, some some of those booths you go in and it's like you've gone into a, a different building. Because you go in 
and they right. and there's like halls and and doors going into other rooms and yeah, enormous. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Yeah, that's yep. why I, that's why I say I really want somebody or I, I encourage anybody to you know if you can get in, find a way in, or just get a chance, even just to go for a day, you know, go and experience it because it yep. it is sensory overload. It is. Mm-hmm. I'll just, finally, let's wrap up this discussion. I, you asked us earlier this week on Mac Voices, what uh, we we got, we gave you just I'll just give you one product where everything could stood out to you. We gave you a, a list of what we saw that was covered by the press, you know, and and what we found interesting. What what's really stood out? If you could, if you can come up with maybe one or two items that you that, that you looked at to, to see what was uh what stood out, David. You know, I'm going to jump on a couple. I, I named a couple on Mac Voices Live, and so I'm not going to repeat those. The Blue Ant has a, in fact, I just released this this interview today, so folks can go and see it. Blue Ant has an under-your-monitor soundbar for your desk. And, of course, in that environment, it's really tough to tell. But from what I could tell, it sounded pretty darn good. And Blue Ant's been around for a long time. You know, they, they know wireless audio. And they did some really very interesting engineering as to how it would sit, depending on what your monitor, what kind of monitor you have, how it would sit potentially above the monitor, or would at least have space for the legs for the monitor. Mm-hmm. So it felt like it was really, really well engineered. Mm. There was another company that they were they were actually selling the product, and so I will bring it up here. Okay. And I'm sorry I can't give their name, but it's a watch band oh. that that helps you do things. Minority report style, and it's it's out and it's not Magic Leap, by the way. It's something else. This has been in, in research for quite some time, and that that was one of the ones. Honestly, we stumbled on quite by accident. That okay. that I'm anxious to learn a whole lot more about. But you know that that's the unfair thing. I mean, if I if I look back, there were so many great products that were iterations. We got to stop by the Aki booth and. The the line of chargers and mounts and all that they were showing was phenomenal. Skosh always does a great job, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can go. I can go, I I tend to go back to the companies that I know always deliver. That every year they're worth stopping by because they always have something interesting or beneficial. So yeah, just I'm 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 slowing down the release this year of the interviews for multiple reasons. So you're probably going to see about two a day, give or take, as opposed to just trying to dump out five, four or five and six a day. But each one of them, most of them are, you know, five to six minutes. Sometimes we had somebody that would spend a little more time with us. But, you know, check them all out and just listen for the first couple minutes, because if if it's for you, great. If it's not, that's fine. Move on to the next one. But I guarantee you, you're going to find some stuff that's really very, very interesting and that relates to you. I'm not sure you you would be able to rate, relate to the you know twenty thousand dollar transparent TVs. These are products no. that you can relate to. Hey okay. Chuck, every year you are just a machine. Machine, that's yeah. I mean, <laughs> seriously, I I've always been you are. so impressed with with how many companies you talk to, and and then after the show, how much content you put out. It's like it just keeps coming and coming for weeks. Yeah. And and it's like, holy crap, where do you find the time to, just, to put out all, the time. 
all of this content and and it's all great. So yeah. Yeah. I I just want you to know that that I really appreciate what you're doing and I get how Me much too. work goes into this. And I'm just yeah. super impressed every year. Well, thank Me you too. I, I appreciate it. I, it's it's a it really is kind of a labor of love because I, I enjoy yeah. so much going to to talk to these people because their their enthusiasm about their products is infectious. No matter oh, yeah. what I think of their product, it's infectious. And it it kind of drives me <laughs> little obligatory cough there. It drives me <laughs> for the rest of the year because you know, I now I yeah. want to see what what actually makes it to market and how it's going to be received. So mm-hmm. thank thank you though. I've it's it's just yep. it, listen, it's like going to the candy store and you just want to grab everything and get your hands on mm-hmm. because you're only there for a few days. Mm-hmm. Nope, and, I, and I've witnessed it first firsthand in person, seeing you, how you work, and I'll I'll add to that that yeah, it's just amazing. I don't, you're a machine. I don't know how you do it, but we appreciate it because it's just some amazing content. So, unless we have anything else to say, let's go ahead and we can move on to another, the next topic, which is the Apple Watch. This has been hot in the news uh, this week. Apple lost their, their 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 appeal, so they have to either remove the watch from the Apple Watch not Series 9 or and the Ultra 2 from market, or they opted to now they're going to remove the blood oxygen sensor, so it's not going to be, and I don't know if it's a sensor or just the software. I just believe. the software. So the so software. it will not be enabled when it's sold going forward. And I believe they were talking about, were they not, the, they aren't going to change it to people who already own existing watches. They can't, they're not going to do that, and they're, they don't, are not obligated to because it was sold prior to this this ruling, right? Yeah, it sounds it sounds like this will just be for new sales. And a lot of people are looking at this and thinking, uh, by the way, I just jumped in. I hope that was okay. Um, no, please. Now, a lot of people are looking <clears throat> at this and thinking, well, that's it. Apple is is now out of this part of the game and it's over. N- no, we still haven't had the the whole courtroom part of this case. So th- this is all temporary right now. And when, when we get to court, then we'll, well, then we'll be one step closer to knowing if Apple has to just do something completely different or give up on this feature. And if they don't, if Apple, no, let me rephrase that. It doesn't matter what the outcome is in court. It's going to be appealed either by Apple or by, by Mazumo. So this is something that's going to go on for years. So the, unfortunately, yeah, yeah. So the, the, the thing to watch now is how long does this go where Apple can't offer the feature on current and future Apple watches? And, and then the other side of it is what is going on here? We, we, we are not privy to a, a really key piece of information because What's happening right now, it does not make sense. There, There's no reason why Apple, but there's no reason we're aware of why Apple and Mazumo shouldn't have been able to come to an agreement where right. the feature stays active. But here we are. So, so what do we not know? Yeah. Well, here's the quote in, in one of the articles from Mac Rumors. Apple, the Apple, of course, their their appeal is ongoing. The company says it strongly disagrees with the ITC's decision, and uh, it feels that the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Federal Circuit uh, 
should reverse it as a longer term solution. Apple's reportedly going to be working on changes to the blood oxygen apps algorithm in order to, in an attempt to avoid Massimo's patented technology. It's unclear if, with uh, when those changes will be ready or if they will be enough for Apple to avoid the patent inter- patent infringement. So, so this is, this is definitely something big here because uh, I, I've used it many times and I, I, I actually like it. I don't want, I don't want to carry around. I, if I want to check my blood oxygen, right? I mean, we'd always have a little thing that would hook onto your finger or, mm-hmm. you know, a sensor. This, this is one of the most amazing things that the Apple watch had. Is it the, the, the most important thing in the world that's on here? Probably not, at least in, in my but opinion. It's one of the reasons uh, I bought an Apple watch when the feature was introduced. Yeah. So, but that's the thing. How, how is it going to affect sales? And how's it also going to affect sales? People who have current watches are going to all of a sudden say, Hey, I've got this and this has the blood oxygen level. And are they going to start turning around selling them on eBay or trying to resell them and make some extra money? You know, I, I hope not, but th- there's that thing too, because there's, there's, there's tons of Apple watches out there going from what series six up, up on up to series nine. So this, this definitely is going to be interesting. The other thing interesting was that uh, today, as we record this, uh, there was a quote from the, the Mass- Massimo CEO. He says, the Apple Watch blood oxygen tester is not reliable. Customers are better off without it. Uh, 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 this uh, he hasn't spoke to Apple personally about this, but no one from Apple has reached out for an agreement with them. So it seems like Apple's avoiding wanting to even talk to them. They they don't want to have anything to do with them, which is kind of sad. If that's the case, there must be something that we're not seeing here to why this this all started in the first place. I mean. If this guy is, is he, is he just, he might be just completely against Apple. I'm not sure. But, uh, what do you think, Chuck? Chuck? So let me get this straight. Massimo is suing for Apple using their patents. Yeah. But he turns around and says, but our product is really not all that good on the Apple watch. Right. Because no, Apple did that's it. not what he's saying. <laughs> well, well, that's, the, that's, that's one interpretation of it, Jeff. No, I agree with you. You know, I, I, I don't I take anything that any any of these CEOs says say with a big grain of salt. So mm-hmm. has anybody reached out? Have they not reached out? You know, this this sounds vaguely reminiscent of Tim Sweeney, you know, and so I, I just I can't get excited Bagley. over his all right, Ben. <laughs> I, I <laughs> you know, I can't get excited over him as a source of much of anything because everything he says is going to be self-serving. And mm-hmm. and right and look, rightly so. He's got a position to advocate. He's got he's got shareholders or investors in his company, so he has yep. to take that position. But that doesn't mean I have to believe it. Yeah, and that's fair. Well, I'll I'll, I'll quote this what what it says. It's a uh, Joe Kiani is the is the CEO of Massimo. He said that he has not spoken to anyone from Apple personally, and no one from Apple has reached out about an agreement. He he did say there have been some court ordered mediations he is unable to discuss so the more than likely to be additional meetings in the future but he does not believe those meetings w- will serve as steps to settling this legal dispute with apple so you know it's this is where we're at with this so this first time i've seen all the years we've been covering apple that they've actually had to give in to a to a company that was that was doing this because of that they they proved their their case that that they did infr- indeed infringe on their patent. Well, they, they proved their case to ITC. Yeah, ITC. I mean, that's right. That, that's what I meant. Sorry. Yeah, the, I think the wording here 
is is really important because the Massimo CEO is saying he has not personally had right. talks with Apple. That doesn't mean that his company and Apple have not had talks even before the, the court ordered mediations. And we know he yeah. wasn't involved in those mediations because he says he has not talked to Apple personally. So, yeah, I, I think there's some spin happening here. But yeah, we're we're missing an important piece of information and yeah, that he can't talk about. That he can't talk about and Apple's not going to talk about. And right. yeah, this this is going to be interesting to watch how this whole thing plays out. Yeah. yeah. Me- Meanwhile, Dave, you said something about you know the little thing that goes on on the end of your finger. I could put something yeah. on the end of my finger that I'd like to share the SMO. <laughs> 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 But uh, there honestly, we have a show title. Yes. <laughs> but checks on the finger. Yeah. yeah. There, there's that show title. You're, you made it simple for me this week. Oh my gosh, you cracked me up. Meanwhile, but if you honestly, go to Apple's website right now at this point, where to, to purchase an Apple Watch, there's a big banner right at the top there that says uh, the the blood oxygen sensor is not available, and it's written right in the banner right at the top on Apple's uh, website. So if you um, change. So, you're, like if you use a VPN and change the country that uh, you're hitting the Apple site from, I'm assuming you don't get the banner because it's only in the United States. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So right at the top says Apple Watch Series 9 and Ultra 2 no longer include the blood oxygen feature. It's a simple banner. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to do it now because I'll I'll break connection here. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I'm going <laughs> to be, I would probably think that, yeah, in any other country, it's not going to, it is available. So. Yeah, what's the sake now? Now anybody in the U.S. can just go over to the border in Canada uh, and, and and buy an Apple Watch, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, in fact, I actually saw comments on like Mac Rumors posts of guys going yeah. like, "Hey guys, I'll be your Canadian friend now." Yeah. So, well, we'll continue to cover it. It's going to be definitely interesting to see uh, where this goes. It's an it's an unfortunate thing with this, but you know, we, we got to go into the court system, see what happens, and I guess we'll go from there. Anybody else have any last more comments about the watch until we can move on? All right. A couple, one thing I wanted to bring up here, I thought this was interesting, is uh, I didn't realize there was an actual limit of devices on the Find My feature. And Apple quietly re- increased the Find My limit to 32 items. The Find My had, it, it had a limit of 16 as of iOS 16. And it was confirmed recently in a support document. So it's easy to accumulate air tags and Find My compatible devices. So I guess that limit of 16 items started to hit pretty quickly for people because they're, you know, some people might have 10 air tags and there's, there's 10 devices right there. Mm-hmm. So it was first discovered by someone who was a user on X and also that was also discovered on Mac rumors. So they just went ahead and doubled it. And then there's a link here in show notes for the support document. that talks about it, but 32 items, that's pretty hard to reach. My Who has 32 Apple devices? <laughs> you could do well, here's mine. the thing on that. It's, not just one person. Now you can share your your air tags with the family. Yep. So, so that thirty two that limit of thirty two is a lot more attainable. Yeah, that makes sense. But I think Dave, I think you said it. I think air tags is one of the big things that's driving this because you know yeah. now you want to put an air tag in your car, you want to put an air tag on your luggage, you want to put an air tag on your backpack. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pardon me. You know how how. Difficult would it be to go through about three sets of of three, four, five sets of air tags 
tagging things that you want to keep track of or want to make sure that don't disappear on you. So, yep. and then you have the, you have the, the other manufacturers, this kind of goes back to CES, mm-hmm. but I won't take us there that are developing different, st- different size and shape trackers. There's th- that will fit in your wallet so you can track your wallet and, you know, so, and, and you want one on your keys. I mean, I, I, I don't have 32, but I could pretty quickly see how it would e- be easy to get there. Well, yeah. Don't forget, you can also buy third-party products that have AirTag built in. Well, Good point. Find that, My, for instance. Yeah, or Find My built in, but that that counts towards your limit. And uh, mm. yeah, bike stores here, because bikes are a huge thing here, you go in and you can buy these attachments that that hook on to like the water bottle cage holders yep. that have Find My built in. So let's say you have a couple bikes, three bikes. That's really common here. Each one of those has one of those on it. Oh, that's three more devices counting against your total. Yeah. I yep. mean, if anything, oh, I, I kind of wish they would have made a 64. Yeah. I bet eventually it it will be more than 32. Yeah, it might be. Yeah. And by the way, Chuck, I do want to buy that that, that product you mentioned, aforementioned that you I know you talked to, to put that in my wallet. Because I always am trying to find my wallet and that would be perfect to be to, to help me out with that. <laughs> it's it's funny all the things you think about, you know, that and there's some things I don't really stress over losing because I just don't lose them. You know, and then there are other things that yeah, I definitely want to track that because well, you, weren't you the one that for either this year's gift guide or last year's gift guide picked an Apple TV remote case that had a spot for an air tag? Yeah. 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 So mm-hmm. right there there's one right there. Well, too bad you don't need it anymore because the remote has it built in because <laughs> Apple finally opened it. <laughs> but that's still one. No, you know, that's it, it was, yeah. Well, yeah. I don't need it anymore now. So <laughs> yeah. But yes, you are correct. So that can be interesting. See where that goes. So we wouldn't have to be able to go off the show without talking about Vision Pro. I mean, that's got a lot of discussions going on right now. So I had some more discussions I wanted to hit. A couple things that actually stood out to me that 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 the Vision Pro may, may not have. I find interesting. The first one is the fact that they, Apple did get the FCC approval for the Vision Pro this week. Uh, obviously, they had to get that ready before they could release this. So, but it does show that the it does not support Wi-Fi six E. I find that to be very interesting. Why we don't only go to Wi-Fi six? So, almost convinced me. Like like Ben, you've always been saying this is a one product. This mm-hmm. might be truly a one product if you're not even supporting the most latest version of the, the of Wi-Fi standard beyond seven, of course. I mean, it might even be pretty much a 0.7 product at this point. Yeah, for sure. Do you have thoughts on that, Chuck? You know, I, the only thing is lead times. You know, I always think about these things with lead times as far as the supply chain, the manufacturing process and all that. And I don't know, I'm not enough of a hardware geek to know if that requires specific hardware or not. But at the end of the day, you know, We've had these discussions before. There are folks that want every single thing packed into the very first version of the product, and they refuse yeah. to acknowledge that there has there will be a version two, three, four, five. They have to have something, and I just have to wonder how important that that the, the, the that particular standard is to what the vision, the Apple Vision Pro, is right now, or will be in a couple of weeks. So yeah, def- definitely going to be interesting to see where that goes. Also, many of the 
big press folks as well as uh, content creators, of course, were able to get another hands-on with the, the Vision Pro before its release. I article here in show notes here about this, uh, notably Joanna Stern, or Sherilyn Lowe from it, and Gadget, and I also saw I, I Justine and a number of others. Some of some of the folks the, or were the biggest complaint was the fact that with the, of its weight, they were questioning a little bit a little bit of how its weight is, as well as the, the strap because it was some were using the single strap, and then when they put the double strap on, they got a little more comfort with that. So that was the first impressions of that. So it's it's definitely something uh, to see where where this is going to go, and all the demos that they've done, and uh, the, the how it's going to feel when they do that. So. Definitely going to be interesting, I guess they say. You guys have any thoughts on that? Of course, the weight is an issue. Yeah. You're, you're putting a lot of uh, of hardware into a small space, and you're hanging it off the front of your face. And our heads are not designed to do that. So, yeah, uh, of course, that's a thing. Doing the thing with the strap that goes over the top of your head, that will help. But it's still not going to make the weight go away. And uh, an, uh, until the weight can be reduced and balanced more front to back, this is going to be an ongoing thing. And it doesn't matter who the manufacturer is. Yep. Yeah. And you know, yeah, that there's, sure. there's going to be someone that's going to come out with some kind of counterweight device. As Jeff said, it's, and it's a great point that, you know, you're putting this here in front of your face so it's naturally going to pull so if you could counterweight it a little bit but then that means there's even more weight on your neck so you know this is a terrible example but i use it anyway but when i was a kid i i caddied at the golf course and it was always easier to honest to god it was easier to carry two bags in one mm-hmm. because you, because you were balanced you're and balanced. so you're, you're carrying a lot more weight but you're balanced and that's I just I definitely foresee somebody coming out with something like this that's going to look a little bit clunky, but probably is going to be functionally useful and beneficial. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Look, the rev- okay. the Vision Pro Revision A is about getting the ball rolling. Right now, it is it's subject to existing technology, which leave it kind of bulky and heavy and unobtainable for most of the, most people. Right. Apple is playing the long game with this. Future mm-hmm. visions and vision pro and visions pro will be lighter, will be more obtainable. It just people have to be patient. This is where it's I mean just look at how chunky the revision the first iPhone was. Look at Mac laptops. Yeah. Go go back to the 90s and and then follow that mm-hmm. all the way up through the MacBook Air and the current mm-hmm. MacBook Air. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or how about the original yeah. Mac Portable? That's I mean that's kind <laughs> of where we are with Vision yeah. Pro today. You mean you know, the, the Mac- one with the lead acid car battery? Yeah, the Mac Luggable. Yeah, pretty much. Look like a Sony machine. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, oh. you're right it did. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I think that thing was huge. But even the original um, MacBooks, I mean, by today's standards, by, by this, you couldn't wait to get your hands on one. But by today's standard, it's like, I carried that around. I used that, really? With that tiny screen and, and it was so heavy. Yeah. 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 I mean, I still have my 900 megahertz. Me, I can't talk. 
900 megahertz G3 ice book, that thing is way thicker and heavier than my 14-inch MacBook Pro. And and that doesn't even have a handle on it. Yeah. Like my original iBook, the, the still, toilet seat version. I've still got one of those in the basement, yep. So, so uh, one more thing I'll mention is the App Store is launched. So people are already starting to, to look at the App Store and what's going to start being available to the developers. We'll, we'll see that. I'm going to save a few of the other things we can talk about next on the next show, because uh, there's, like I said, it's, it's going to be endless. I will still be talking about it. They are going to have pre-orders this. It's uh, actually t- tomorrow, is it not? Tomorrow. Yes, it is tomorrow. The tomorrow, the January 19th, as as we speak, as we record this. So you pre-order it, uh, was it uh, 5 a.m. Pacific time, which is 8, 8 a.m. Eastern time. So so everybody's going to be breaking down the doors uh, to, to buy one of these tomorrow, right? Uh, so we'll, we'll see where it goes. So that's some of the topics. I wanted to hit some of the news stories I had uh, on this week. And I find this, I can't believe this, that it was actually one year ago today, January 18th, 2023, as, as uh, 2024, as we record this, that the, uh, the Apple reintroduced the HomePod. It's been one year since that happened. If we remember, they introduced it in 2017. I've got two of the original OG HomePods and a few of us here too as well. And you know, they, the price was high. And when it started, the price started dropping down. And then now it's out and it's been back on the market for a whole year. And they haven't really uh, done much with it, with it since. I don't know how you don't hear much about it. But uh, they did add some some good features to it. Like you using have the ultra band, ultra wideband uh, chip and a lot of other couple of features. Um, so what do you think, Jeff? I know you love the HomePod so much. That, well, uh, the, the new one. I, I have a older. very dysfunctional relationship with HomePod because I know that the HomePod's dysfunctional. Yeah. I mean, I love the HomePod and it just frustrates the crap out of me at the same time, especially because I know what it should be able to do. And yeah. So the fact that we haven't seen or heard anything new about, about a HomePod refresh or a HomePod mini refresh I am not surprised at all. This is a product that Apple is is taking a very slow approach to to refresh cycles. And I would like to see them do something with the home. Well, what I'd like is the OG HomePod with all of the features that the second gen HomePod has. Because the OG HomePod has better audio quality. So give me the better audio quality, all the new features, and 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 that'll be cool. But still, I am not. Th- this is a casual entertainment device. This this is not part of your your true voice controlled life, because that part is still. Oh my god, it's even more broken today. Here we go. I'm about to rant. <laughs> all right, yes, yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yesterday, I. I did one of my S lady commands, which triggers a shortcut that does a very specific light setting and, and it's broken. And then I realized other shortcuts that I call through the S lady via HomePod, they are all broken. And then when I went to my, well, it turns out they're just broken in general. I went to my iPhone and I tried to just manually launch the short and doesn't even work. Anyhow. Well, 
Yeah, or my favorite one. Hey, S lady, turn off the timer. Sorry, since the timer is on the phone and not this home pod, and we cannot bother to have devices communicate. I can't yeah. do anything. <laughs> uh, or, or okay, how about this one? There's music playing on the home pod in the room where you are. Your phone rings, but you can't get your 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 home pod to automatically pause when you answer a phone call. So you say, "Hey, S lady, pause." And now your iPhone comes up instead of the home pod just pausing. Your iPhone says, "Pause the music on the living room home pod." Oh, I'm not going to make you edit, but I really want to make you have to edit. Nice. And anyhow, <laughs> I, I know I'm taking us off topic, but no, it's HomePod. It's HomePod. And boy, we need to see some serious software updates. We need to see some serious behind the scenes updates on the whole machine learning, voice recognition, AI, whatever they want to call it. I don't care what they call it. Yeah, WWDC wishlist. Uh, right. Yeah. So, yeah. So at this point, hey, happy anniversary, HomePod. And uh, bl- bless your little heart. And and I hope someday that you're not just a, a little dysfunctional silicon speaker brick that, that I <laughs> yell at every day and sometimes you do what I want. But thank <laughs> you for the temperature sensor upgrade. I use that a lot. There you go. Okay, so, yes, that's, that's useful. Well, I, I want to ask Jeff a question uh, mm-hmm. and because I, I hear everything you're saying and I've experienced some of it, not all of it, but some of it. But don't you find that same issue with all of the smart home platforms that they don't necessarily communicate with each other? Because I can I can tell you that I have uh, I've had similar and frankly more annoying experiences with the A lady. Now she doesn't control a phone for me, but. She controls other things for me, and I, I have the same the same kind of issues. So, at least in my experience, I mean, I'm I, I feel like this is something that they all need, and I don't know, I don't, I'm not smart enough to know how to to do it other than say, than to address, create names or spe- specific IDs, I guess audio IDs for my various devices. Which, because, if, which you actually have to do on all the platforms. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, that's, that's the thing, you know? And so I, I feel like, I feel like we're trying, we're once again, we're trying to squeeze technology out of science fiction technology into real world technology that just isn't there yet. Should it be there? That's another discussion. Can it be there? That's an even different discussion, but it's not there. Well, Chuck, you're, you are spot on. It It is not there. And there are, problems that I have with the A-Lady platform. And I actually have more Echo devices in my space than HomePods. And the the Echo devices tend to be more graceful with, with handling commands. I may not know which device is doing something. And I, and I will often be surprised at which device actually responds. But the device that responds tends to do the thing unless for some reason it's having a communication failure and simply can't like it just suddenly can't talk to my hue bulbs anymore and you try again a couple minutes later and it's working again was that an a lady problem was that a hue problem i don't know also is it an s lady problem is it a hue problem i don't know 
here's where I see the big difference between the A lady and S lady issues that I have. With the A lady, I have to be trained how to say the exact things, use the exact words in the correct order to make something happen. So I have a certain expectation of how this is going to work because of the way I have been trained. With the S lady, you don't do that. So it's supposed to be able to learn from you and and process and and come to the correct conclusion and do the correct task without you having to be trained how to say something. So that totally changes the dynamic of what I expect to happen. And and so when an A lady doesn't do something, typically I'm annoyed because I realize, oh wait, I have to go and look up in an app to see what the words were that I was supposed to say. Now I remember now to work. With the yes lady, can't do that. And it just it, it and so it becomes more frustrating. Well, frustrating in a different way, because it should work based on the way it's designed, and yet they're just ongoing problems. And yeah, so we we are still very much at the incredibly early stages of this is these are fun hobby technologies. These are not technologies that I see as as products that any of these companies should be promoting as a true customer feature. Your point about expectations is is interesting and well well played. I agree with you. Yeah. Okay. So as long as I'm as I'm just totally usurping all of this, we're seeing problems right now, like like the G lady. That's basically abandoned at this point. I mean, not really, but but it's it really feels that way. The A lady, Amazon is completely at a loss how to to not lose money by the truckload on their voice recognition technology. And they're even at the point where they are field testing, making people pay to a subscription to use the A lady. They want you to pay to use something that is fundamentally broken. And so when I discovered that, I realized, okay, I'm at the point now where I'm looking around and and wondering how much longer before I take all of the Echo devices that are in my place and just unplug them and toss them in a box because I won't I, I won't be able to use them. I'm already at that stage. Yeah. And, I expect it won't be long before the only A-Lady device I have is the Echo Show on my desk, and that's because it gives me a big yep. clock. Yep. I've got it right here next to me. Not mine sitting but right I also down have, here. And I have that, but I do have an Echo in my bathroom, so I've got to have something to listen to when you're taking a shower, right? So that's that's great. I think I'm I'm glad this actually turned into a good good conversation of what, what the future of HomePod Thank you for is, letting me soapbox. I, I knew you would have some good insights on that, and then this this year anniversary of the you totally know how to flip change. the switch to just get me to go. It's <laughs> okay, Dave. Here, here's what I'm picturing. You're thinking, ah, oh, we might be thin on content tonight. Okay, I'm oh, going to bring up HomePod, and then I'm just going to sit back and and let Jeff go. Buckle up, <laughs> <laughs> strike the match, and watch what happens. It's all good. It's all good. So we got a couple more topics here, just new stories before we uh, wrap up here. U.S. developers can now offer non-app store purchase op- purchasing option 
but Apple will still collect commissions. Apple, this uh, was a, this was a couple days ago as we record. Apple is making major changes to the U.S. iOS App Store policies, and developers are now able to direct customers to a non-App Store purchasing option for digital goods. Apple is allowing apps to feature a single link to a developer website that leads to an in-app purchase alternative. But Apple will plan to continue to collect the well, they said the twelve to twenty-seven percent commission on content bought this way. And Apple's Apple's updates and the the backstory that led to this is a bit complicated. But what iPhone and iPad users need to know is that some apps in the U.S. storefront will feature feature a link to their website with where subscriptions and other content can be purchased outside the App Store. This is this is pretty amazing. Apple was very 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 strongly against this, but I think the EU is the big thing that, that, that motivate this. And, you know, do they, they don't want to have separate app stores and, 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 uh, different locations around the world. Let me start with you, Chuck. What do you think about this? I, Dave, I've expressed myself so many times about this. It just, Apple built the app stores and now everybody's saying, I have a right to come in and, and do my thing within your app store, or you have to let me, you know, use a different payment method or, or whatever. And I, yeah. I, I've, I applaud Apple for trying. I, they're playing a dangerous game with with all the the anti corporate sentiment that's going around right now, but they're sticking to their guns, and so I, I sincerely hope it doesn't backfire on them. But I I want to see them keep getting the prices, and I know there's some developers who are not going to be happy with me saying that. But you know, Apple is a big company, and Apple has to generate the revenues to keep things going. I want my app store to be secure so that when I go there and download something, I am as assured as I can be that there's not going to be malware hiding in it, like in a certain other platform's store that we could name. Yeah, true. What do you, what do you think, Ben? I mean, they're doing exactly what Tim Cook said they would. Eight. Yeah, uh, my, minus the 3% for payment processing fees. Yeah. But honestly, I mean, with it with it being within the App Store, it's completely within their rights to do this. That being said, according to the rumor mill, the playing with fire sentiment is absolutely right. Yeah. And if you haven't seen it, well, the end of March could get really interesting. It could. How about you, Jeff? Apple is not running a charity, and the App Store is not a charity service. Okay, that said, what Apple's doing is not good optics, and it does have some developers getting really worried. But I, I was reading, it was Daring Fireball. John had a post today about, about the, the sentiment that Mac app developers have right now which is, will Apple expect us to give them a commission for apps that are sold completely outside of the Mac App Store? And, and John's take is, no, that's not going to happen. And, and I think his logic is sound. It's not going to happen. Doesn't change the fact that developers are now suddenly really worried. And, and what does that do to their incentive to support a platform? So yeah, yeah, th this yeah, this is a bad optics move, but at at the same time, Apple 
needs to generate the revenue that will allow them to run the app store. Yes, they, they're a huge company. They make all the money in the world. That doesn't make the app store a charity. I mean, to be perfectly honest, I think they should announce whether there are going to be any fees for non-app store apps. Yeah, you're, yes, they should just come right out and say, hey, we've been, we hear what you're saying. We get your concerns. Don't worry. Not going to happen. That, that would be a really good move. Yep. Yeah. I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't ask this question. But I want to make sure it's as, as uninflammatory as I can make it. So if developers are worried, what platform are they going to go to? They're really they already have one. Windows. <laughs> yeah, like I said, what platform are they going to go to? <laughs> Thank you well, for the straight okay. line, Jeff. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, that, I'm, I'm talking about I'm talking mobile platforms more than anything. I mean, yeah. th- because there's only one other one that has its own set of problems and that are way beyond the scope of this show. But and and it, it's look, it's a dangerous game. But at the end of the day, there is only one iPad, there is only one iPhone, mm-hmm. and right. those are the devices people want and are and, and are using. And you know, that has been demonstrated over and over and over. And so I'm not suggesting that that Apple should grind the developers under their heel, but at the same time, you know, your your comment about them not being a charity is a perfect one. I mean, same at the same time. Individual developers or small companies aren't charities either. And that what where are they going to go to? That answer might be none. You're reading my mind, Ben. Yep. Yeah. It's okay. If you look at it from from just the the cold hard the heart of stone approach, if if your revenue stream comes from selling apps on uh, through Apple's App Store for iOS and the the cost of doing that is higher than your business can afford then you have a bad business model now yeah. granted there's all kinds of nuances in there but like if if you're going straight Vulcan on this that you know that that would be the the bottom line and then in that case, what's the solution? You figure out a different business model where the money and the math works, or you don't have a business. Yeah. And, and as I'm saying this, I'm also very well aware of the fact that, that that could mean that there are a lot of really, really good and valuable apps that would just be gone. And that would be a travesty for users and the developers. And ultimately, a bad look for Apple. I mean, the great thing about the the App Store, as it has been, it's allowed a bunch of that those small developers to have really major apps. I really don't want to go back to the olden days where it's you can get an app from Microsoft or Adobe and Microsoft or Adobe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jeff, I could Jeff, I couldn't help but think though as you were describing the business model thing, that sounds suspiciously like discussions we had with over subscription models mm-hmm. because the developers basically said, look, I, I can't continue to do this with these spikes in revenue and then the troughs that go with it. 
you know, they 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 needed and wanted that steady stream. And so we've all had to reevaluate what software we use and therefore what we are willing to pay for. And and that's totally reasonable. I mean, developers, they had to to evaluate their business model and they realized subscriptions are the way that that they can sustain their business. Then we as consumers look at that, we're like, okay, I need to look at my budget. And I have to decide what apps I really need so that I'm paying for just the things that that matter to me that, you know, that that I actually do need to have. Yep. That's the way it works. And uh, and there are some apps that that I have chosen not to use that I would like to use, but their subscription, which is totally fine. It's just that the price that I would pay is not in line with my budget or what I actually need from the app. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah. It just means I'm not using that app and, and no ill will towards the developers for doing that. All right. This was such a great conversation. I knew I was going to get some good, good discussion out of these two stories. So, uh, glad uh, we were able to go through this and, uh, and find out more. This was great information, but, uh, we have come to a close to this this episode of the show. Let's uh, go ahead and wrap up for this week. That's a wrap for this week. Please send your comments, questions, and suggestions to our email address, which is feedback at intouchwithios.com. You can follow us on Mastodon at intouchwithios at techhangout.social. Support the show by buying me a coffee at intouchwithios.com slash coffee. We would really appreciate it. You can become a patron of the show by going to patreon.com slash intouchwithios. We have two tiers available to support the show. We'd really appreciate it. Make sure you like, share, and subscribe so you are notified when you are, we are live streaming, which is Thursday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on our YouTube channel. And Brett was in the chat tonight. Good to see you, Brett. Thanks for being here. It's at youtube.com slash iOS, where you can watch the current and past live streams as well as listen to past shows. Visit In Touch With iOS magazine on Flipboard, where many of the topics we discuss are flipped into that magazine. The link is on our show notes. But uh, and you also can subscribe to the show in our in your favorite podcatcher, which includes Pocket Casts, Overcast, and Apple Podcasts, and many others. But better yet, go to intouchwithios.com, where all the links to and all the ways to listen to us are on that website. I am Dave Ginsburg, and you can find me on Macedon at DaveG65 at Macedon.cloud. Thank you so much, Chuck Joyner, for being here and all your insights this week. I appreciate it. Where can people find you? Uh, MacVoices.com is where you can find everything. As we talked earlier, I'm in the process of releasing the interviews from CES, along with interspersing them in with some of our more regular programming. That's something that's also a little new this year. Um, we also do Mac Voices Live Tuesday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, whatever time there is, wherever you are, right here on YouTube at youtube.com slash TV. All three of these gentlemen are regular guests on that. I have no idea why they keep coming back, but they do, and I'm glad they do. Um, on the socials, you can find me as at Chuck Joyner, and that's pretty much on all the major socials and some of the minor ones as well. Dave, thanks so much for having me. And in spite of the fact that I don't sound completely healthy, I appreciate it. You, you sound great. Appreciate it. Ben Rathick, thank you for being here. And uh, we've survived the, uh, the, the, the Arctic cold weather and snow, but uh, I'm glad you were able to make it. And work, round one, anyway. So you, uh, where can people find you? Well, you can find me at Ben Rathick on your social media of choice. 
Uh, you can find my writings at raythig.tech. On Tuesdays, you can find me on Mac Voices Live with Mr. Chuck Joyner. On Thursday and Friday uh, morning slash afternoon, you can find me with Jeff Cabot on the British Tech Big and Mac shows. And of course, you can always find me here on In Touch with iOS with our host, Dave Ginsberg. Thanks, Ben. Appreciate that. And last but certainly not least, Jeff Gamut, as always, it's an absolute thrill to have you here. Where can people find you? Dave, it's always a treat to get to hang out with you. So, <laughs> excuse me. I, um, thank you. Um, all right. So, social medias. Jay Gamut on uh, pretty much everything. Uh, Mastodon, Instagram, and threads. That's where I'm posting most of my stuff right now. Then, uh, for shows, um, Chuck for whatever reason, keeps letting me come back on Mac Voices Live on Tuesdays. And uh, Chuck, I, I really do appreciate that you are so incredibly tolerant. Dave, you too. Um, then uh, here on Thursdays, or in touch with iOS, then um, on the British Tech Network, Thursdays, the Mac show, Fridays, the big show. And, uh, and also, did I get it backwards? whatever yes. just just whatever <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm doing both the shows and it's what everyone else yeah, said for the me. days that's what matters anyhow yes. and the context machine Brian Chaffin and I do that too yes that's a great show alright thank you and thank you for listening we hope you enjoyed the show and we enjoyed doing it and we'll talk again soon